0: Wendy is with us in studio today and uh, Wendy always great to have you with us although it's a very sad uh, conversation that we're having today about an awful case in Guazalina in which a young couple died allegedly as a result of poisoning caused by the fumigation of their neighbours flat. Now it's a, quest, uh, it's a case that is still under investigation and post-mortem results are still pending, important to say that but really it raises such important questions around the service providers we let into our homes and the kind of vetting and checking of credentials that is essential Before you let them in Um, As I said earlier We'll also hopefully have some time For open line calls Towards the end of the show On 0214460567 You're welcome to raise a consumer query With a voice note To 0725671567 Hi Wendy I mean this is just the most horrifying story Which broke in the news last week
1: Absolutely Pippa I mean I just cannot Stop thinking about that young Durban couple Who went to bed last Tuesday night And didn't wake up on Wednesday morning Various ongoing investigations, as you said, have yet to conform, confirm the cause. We must be clear on that. Yeah. But everything does point to the fact that the shockingly inept fumigation of the flat next door to this couple's flat caused the deaths of Nicholas and Marjorie Malva, who were in their mid-30s. So, the flat um <laughs> if it wasn't empty, there would th- those occupants certainly wouldn't be around wouldn't be here either here either um, It was fumigated to treat termites commonly referred to in Durban certainly as wood borer, um which is a serious problem in Durban's central residential area. I know because I spent most of my life yeah, living there, and yeah. we had to regularly. Have the house fumigated or other treatments? Certainly, I've never heard of this particular treatment, and that's because it's certainly it's not, not the, the right one. application. Okay. Um, so that will tell you something about the credentials of the company involved. Yeah. Involved. Yeah. Um, so this is not an isolated incident. If you're listening to this, thinking, "Oh, well, that's Durban's problem," um, it's certainly a country-wide um, um, issue. These deaths are happening regularly um, as we'll hear later from Dr Gerard Fodouen who is the director of the Griffin Poison Information Centre he actually says told me that um, unregulated fumigation is killing people every day somewhere in this country yeah that's what he said um every week sorry, let me week. let me okay. I'm sure in some cases it is in one week it'll be more than yeah. Your, but every week he said those exact words to me was every week. Um this uh
0: including it, a case uh, locally, I believe, very recently.
1: Exactly. A child uh, two years old died in the Western Cape um after the family got hold of a product containing the same active ingredient as in the Durban case, which is aluminium phosphide. Um and that was apparently, um, according to Dr. Ferdinand, and we'll hear more about this later, um, to treat uh, cockroaches
0: in the house. Gosh, okay, we'll be speaking to Dr. Ferdinand yeah. in a little bit, so um, we, we'll wait to hear more from him. But, but Wendy, aluminium phosphide, the product uh, that you've mentioned, this is what was used in the fumigation um, of the flat next door yes. to the Mulvers.
1: Yes, and then what it happens is the when it, the, this aluminum phosphide little tablets come into contact with any form of moisture they release toxic gas fumes phosphine fumes over the course of a few days and um it's that's what is believed to have happened in this case the owner of that flat reportedly paid ten and a half thousand rand to a man who'd placed an advert on a business group on whatsapp Okay, red flags here. Yeah. Okay. You don't. That's not the way to find. Um, you know, somebody to, to handle to do something that yeah. potentially dangerous. Okay. Um, his invoice um, and someone we're going to speak to just now has had sight of that invoice. Revealed that he used a product called Gas Toxin, which is manufactured by a company called DeGish. Um The aluminium phosphide. Um, reacts with moisture as I say to create this phosphine gas. The Dagesh website states phosphine is also highly toxic to human and warm blooded animals it's therefore absolutely necessary to comply with the relevant safety measures. The products may only be used by a registered fumigator under Act 36 of 1947 so that's uh, to do with the Department of Agriculture. Okay. Um, Pest Control Federation of South Africa's uh, Vice President Moses Chetty said the business in question had been registered as a company but not with the Department of Agriculture, Land Reform and Rural Development, as it's now known, as required by law. And having inspected the fumigated flat with police officers, Chetty said it was very clear
0: that the man had no fumigation knowledge or experience or very, very little. Now... He shot a video during that visit and we are tweeting the video at Cape Talk uh, for you to see for yourself if you'd like to hear his walk around through that flat and pointing out all the things that were wrong on that scene. But we've also got Moses Chetty with us on the line from Durban. Again, he's the vice president of the Pest Control Federation of South Africa. And Moses, thank you very much for joining us on the show today. Welcome.
2: Hi, uh, good afternoon, Wendy. Good afternoon to all you listeners out in Cape, son. Huh? Thank Thanks you. Thanks for having me on the show.
0: Sure. Moses, Wendy's just said you, your, your wording was, it's very clear that the person who did this job had no to little, very few, fu- uh, very little fumigation knowledge or experience. What makes you say that?
2: Well, for starters, Wendy, when it comes to fumigation, I've been in the, the pest control fumigation industry since 1982. And I took over the fumigation operation from one of the biggest concerns that's Rangical Pty Limited, and I've basically been running a fumigation operation ever since. Now, in our line of work, we cover properties on an ongoing basis. In regard to what transpired at this property when I got to site, the fact that we use phosphine gas, yes, it is not the recommended, uh, it's not the right methodology. Yeah. It's not the methodology that's ad- adopted, and also one must realize that as any fumigant, forcing is also one of the few fumigants, the three fumigants that we've got ma- made available to us down in KZN throughout the country. The first one is methyl bromide, which is being phased out according to the Montreal Protocol. So you'll notice that. At one stage in 2010, we had like 100 tons, and now we are following the mon- multiple uh, guidelines, and the reduction of, of, of bromide has drastically reduced. So basically, we've got a very small quota that may be guaranteed, may not be guaranteed for structure, especially in case in any way, a lot of bromide is being used, mm-hmm. um, which has been now replaced by a new quota called cell fluoride, which is profume. Okay. Uh, it's just a transition period that most of our fumigators are, are going uh, across some of us that can afford it, it's not a smooth transaction because there's a lot of difficulties that, like I explained to you uh, with my on my tele, tele, telecon with you, that the transition is not smooth, even though we are actually on a transition period, some of us cannot afford it, but that's a topic for another day when yep. I get to, to deal with that I we promised to chat on on other issues that, that's affecting okay yeah this
1: flattered question in terms yeah. of all the things that were not correct and which um could could have led to the deaths of these two young
2: people it, it wasn't a, a proper fumigation procedure for starters you do not throw tablets and, the, and the, those tablets do not kill termites that tablet sure. is designed to be used in closed silos when, when, when grain is being fed in. We will fumigate closed rail trucks. We will fumigate stacks of, of commodity that's in a warehouse with gas tight loads where it's properly weighed down. The tops are 100% sealed. There's no leaks. And then there'll be danger signs posted throughout the area that's being fumigated. And, and, mm. and because phosphine is got a very strong smell, yeah. There is phosphine leak detectors that can detect that when you are doing fumigation with an enclosed space, that after you fumigate, the guy can go because Phosphine doesn't release immediately. The moment it gets into contact with the air, the environment, and the moisture content that's present, it actually causes the gas yeah. to emerge much quicker. So in this flat in, in, uh, we're talking about, the guy applied the gas and on, on his document, he said that the evacuation for that immediate flat, okay, that one that was unoccupied, mm. he said he must evacuate for 24 hours. Now, if 24 hours, if that person came back to that flat, it was walking into a, like into a, into a time bomb. Sure. So basically, I mean, everything was wrong. The flat was not sealed. If we even... Say, for example, if he did something wrong by applying the stamp, he never even bothered to seal the edges of the doors, put a plastic sheet around the seal around the windows. So and
1: there was a, sorry to cut in, Moses, there was, um, on the video, we see a, a large hole that was um, for a um, washing machine. Uh, plumbing. Plumbing, yeah. yeah. And and you pointed to that as being a possible problem as well, where it, gas could you, have leaked if out. You, if,
2: you, if you look at that, Wendy, look at the, even though there was concrete below, there was a false Kind of uh, floorboard that was placed over because there was a plus minus 20 meter gap that led all the way. Now, if if that ran into the next unit, it, it's still to be questioned. The only time you'll know if you pick up the end panel if there's any gaps running through there. But what I personally figured happened there was on that day when when the gas up to two three days as it is full maximum was coming off like in, in, in now a real uh, full strength. Tool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, from underneath the door, the walls are raised on the passageway. So now, what, what you what you got is now the gas is coming and it's pocketing on the passageway, and all depends on that given day. If that wind was direction in was blowing in the direction towards the flat, okay, there is a strong chance that most of that gas, with that wind that was blowing in that direction, blew most of that gas underneath the flat. Mm. But we still obviously have to wait for the the results to prove it was the post gas. These are all based on assumptions at the stage. And we can only say the post gas killed the couple once we get the, the top report. But what I'm yeah, saying nice. is, if it is, we are looking at what possibly could have happened. And I'm saying this is one of the biggest possibilities that gas that was coming out of the door from underneath the door around the windows was actually accumulating in that, that, that yeah. section that was actually tunneled off with that wall that was there and then with normal wind blowing blowing, it's all the air that's being blown against the wall and then you've got a gap at the end of the door. What do you expect? The molecules of air already with the phosphine gas has been building up. It's been building up. So basically that could have been the reason that the, the, the next it, apartment it, was poisoned.
1: It sounds to me, Moses that it was something of a miracle that other occupants in other flats um, weren't affected Weren't too. similarly affected yeah, at least were made yeah. very ill.
2: You're talking about it because America, those are wooden floorings, Wendy. You don't apply. Phosphine has got the ability to ignite. It's very, very flammable. It can, sure. combust. It can combust. It can combust like a, like a bomb. Oh. I, I know that. I've seen it. My guys went to uncover a stack. They brought a whole lot of phosphine in the back of the truck while we were building, busy covering a building. And we had every explosion in the back of the building because we did not immediately compare it. So that can happen. So I can really, I can really, on life experience, tell that fighting yeah. games it's You it can combust it. Those wooden floors were caught and fire. That entire unit got a oh, uh, yeah.
3: Hate
1: to think so of that. Um, so we have someone here who appears to have dodged the registration process, and about in terms of which he would have um, had to um, display some sort of proficiency, have some training, etc so who do we blame here for this lack of regulation that here was someone who got his hands on this product and was able to wreak this sort of havoc i have to add the word allegedly allegedly, at this stage um you know is it do the consumers play a role here and here you had someone that went to um contract with somebody without doing any checks without realizing that they had to be registered um without asking the right questions I mean at the this this product is available um it shouldn't be but it's available in some hardware stores and some you know informal um uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for informal trading sort yeah. of situation where do we start with by, 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 with the blame game I mean it's 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 spread quite far and wide and and, and as I've said and as you said the consumer um bears some of the blame as
2: well Well Wendy to be very blunt, I think you might, one should understand that we've got a pest control industry that's a very professional industry, and we've got membership. Besides, we've got two organizations, the South African Pest Control Association. We've got, we've got uh, 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 SAPCA, which is South African Pest Control Association, and you've got PCFSA, which is the Federation of South Africa. So we've got members throughout the country. We are in an industry on its own that provide safe services, okay? So you ask, where do you point fingers? It's difficult at this stage for us to point fingers simply because now we can point at the consumer. The consumer should have should have made a good choice, should have done the research on who they're engaging. There, we, there's so many illegal operators that are out there at the moment, okay? Because of lawlessness, no respect for, for, for policing, no respect for the government, no respect for laws. It, it, the country has become lawless. And so in our industry as well, we, we, we've, we've come across a lot of, Unregistered operators, as a federation, we bring them in, we don't throw the book at them, we give them counseling, we guide them, and then we try to get them properly registered because if that's their forte, we give them the right direction. So we're not yet to, to use the DAP inspector to throw the law. we try to uplift in what we're doing, to so making sure that the guys get the proper education in regard to what they're doing from the consumer's point of view. Okay, looking at, looking at what you see today in warehouses, you walk into any warehouse, you walk into any corner cafe, there is a pesticide shelf setup, and this is where the problem is. When, when I talk to the deaf inspectors and I, and I engage with them regularly, they say that the respect has been lost, the respect by the distributors. Mm-hmm. Now, it, it, pesticides that's supposed to be handled by professionals cannot be classed as a DIY product. Mm. Not when you got people dying. That's common that's, sense. We have got people dying, it's on the shelf. That's the nub people of the story. And people are dying. So what I'm saying is, how do we fix the problem? We can start pointing fingers. We need to start pointing fingers at the distributors. On what basis are these products being registered by the Department of Agriculture? On what basis is the register, actually registering this product? Even the conditions that needs to be followed. My question is, I don't know, I cannot say, but my way I look at it, being so long in the industry, this never happened 10 years ago. So I can, I'm in a better position to question, what has changed? I don't see anything has changed. It's a simple thing, all that has changed Greed has taken over, the retail market has become so big that now we're finding it difficult to get the polishing done. So how do we fix it? The only way to fix it, we go back to the drawing board. We go back to the manufacturers. On what conditions were these products actually registered by the registrar? Is it allowed to be sold to the public? Because we are seeing cases, like I've been listening, well, before I actually come on, I've been listening to what the lady was saying. Yes, we've had repeated cases of debts. And it's our duty to make sure we educate the public. Look at what you're buying first.
0: Moses Chetty, thank you so much for joining us. The Vice President of the Pest Control Federation of South Africa. I mean, making a very clear He's, case there about consumer responsibility, Wendy, to check that the person you're using is a properly registered fumigator who's a member of one of those two associations, that the products that are being used are actually designed for a domestic use, which they clearly weren't in no. this case, and that they've all been bought through and the right proper registered channels. The irony
1: is that if, if what Mother said is true, and I'm, I'm sure it is, that they they don't actually kill wood borer anyway. So, it worked anyway. so yeah. the Wood borer survived and...
0: So the bottom line is if you are going to hire somebody to do this kind of job is to check their professional registration documents, Wendy, that they've got the proper document confirming that they are a registered service provider with the Department of Agriculture.
1: Yes, and when they quote their so-called pre-registration docu- document, the so-called P number must be attached to the quote. Actually ask to see the registration uh, document if, if, it, if it doesn't, if they don't include it. And um, Moses said, ask for their safety file. And okay. if you don't hear from them again, you've dodged a bullet. They're, they're not operating as they should. So, yeah, I think so much uh, so much uh, um, positive information and advice coming out of this Um
3: Horrible so that tragedy. we have to take yep.
1: we, a horrible, horrible sh- tragedy that we have to take some responsibility that because um, that's how the cowboy operators continue. If nobody's asking, if consumers don't know or can't, can't be bothered to ask them th- the right questions and to ensure that they're getting somebody who has the right registrations, training, experience, etc. Um, you, you know, you can't be just Getting something off a of WhatsApp site and not doing any checks around uh, that.
0: You know, you can understand, when everybody is feeling the pinch in the current economic climate. Sure. The temptation to go with a cheap offer from a service provider who says, I can do it for less than the big guys do, is going to be tempting to people. But look at the potential consequences. There is loss of life, potentially, allegedly, in this case. If that is proven... She- Think about the cost to the owners of that flat and to the owners of that business going forward, potentially, in terms of liability.
1: Exactly. Well, actually, it wasn't that cheap a job. It was over 10,000 rand, 10,500 rand. And Moses said to me, looking at the amount of, of tablets in there knowing what they cost, it was probably, you know, 600 rand or something. That, that was his in, in estimation. Division, could be wrong, but yeah. certainly a lot, lot less than 10,000 rand. So it wasn't a sort of cheapy, cheapy job. She just okay. didn't do, didn't do, do, the do diligence. Yeah. yeah, it would
0: appear. And now potentially both sits with A, the guilt of two. Mm. Deaths on her her conscience for the hmm. rest of her life, and potentially one would imagine all kinds of lawsuits to follow if that is indeed proven once again just to be to be absolutely fair and correct the the the, the results of the post-mortem have not yet been released no. there is no proven link. Uh, but, but but all fingers certainly and all evidence seems to be pointing in that direction yeah there's yeah. a
1: police investigation there's a Department of Agriculture investigation and these things will take time but yeah, uh,
0: yeah. so after the, the news break we are going to be talking to Dr Gerard Ferdun, who is the director of the Griffin Poison Information Centre and as Wendy mentioned he had some quite alarming things to say about the regularity with which this kind of incident is actually happening in the current climate so we'll be putting our questions to him after we've heard the eyewitness news Cape talk. talk Consumer Talk WhatsApp on 72 That's what Anonymous has done, saying, I'm not sure the consumer can be blamed in this dreadful incident because how can anyone understand chemical reactions when they don't have this knowledge? The point is, Wendy, it's not to blame the person who contracted them, but to say this is what happens if you don't do the proper due it's, diligence about who you are contracting. It's
1: about doing the due diligence. It's not about having a personal understanding of, of of chemicals and their various reactions. It's about understanding that we have an obligation to make sure for our sake and that of our neighbours and community that we get, given what's at stake here, potentially fatal outcomes, that we, we get people who by law have to have certain um, Registrations. Yeah.
0: On that note, Dwayne is asking uh, regarding fumigation in sectional title units. Is the managing agent required by law to request the registration documents of fumigators before they're contracted for a job? Do you know, Wendy?
1: I don't know if it's by law, but I would certainly say that um, they they have an uh, an obligation, duty of safety uh, to their duty residents. Duty of safety surely. yes, exactly, yeah. and then given that that's something that they do as you know as an on an ongoing basis as part of their jobs, you would think that that would be the case. But um, it certainly wouldn't wouldn't would be a good idea to
0: check. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you. Now, before um, we move on to other questions, we've got another guest to comment on this issue of. Uh, the fumigation um, deaths which are occurring and deaths plural because although uh, it's this particular story of the, the young couple in Durban, the Mulvers, which is making headlines right now, as our next guest is going to tell us, unfortunately, this is not an isolated incident. Dr. Gerard Ferdoun is a stewardship manager at CropLife South Africa and director of the Griffin Poison Information Centre. Gerard, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Welcome. Thanks a lot. Um, could you maybe just run us through some of the other cases of deaths by aluminium phosphide that you're aware of? As we've said, this, this was not an isolated incident, apparently.
3: Definitely not. Over the past two years, these cases have escalated in number, and we know of an incident in uh, the Tabansha area where a family used um, the aluminium phosphide to kill cockroaches in their house, and some of the family members passed away. Yeah. And uh, most recently, in the Cape Town area, A young child of two years old also passed away because people use it. And so I can go on. So there's been case upon case over the past two years. And now it's escalated to the point where we had to intervene and say, no more. We've got to make a plan to stop this malpractice.
0: Gerard, I mean, you've mentioned cockroaches and we've heard somebody else reference the fact that there is this, this, this concept out there that this is the product to use for them. Does it in fact even work against cockroaches?
3: It will possibly work against cockroach, but that's not the issue. The issue is that that particular product, the aluminium phosphate, none of the products in the country are registered for for indoor use for pest control where people reside or sleep or work, whatever. So they're all registered for fumigation of um, food stores like granaries and so on, and then for outdoor use on farms to control things like gerbils and rats and mice. But there is no registration whatsoever for any aluminium phosphide to be used indoors because of the severe toxicity of the fumes coming off and the yeah. potential to kill people like we saw happen in Durban now.
1: And, and um, Dr. Ferdinand, it's Wendy here. How are these tablets, which are on paper very strictly controlled and regulated, how are they ending up in the hands of ordinary consumers who can go maybe to a spaza shop even or a hardware shop in the area, a little one, and, and, um, and get Hold of this product here, you know, through the grapevine that it, you know you can mm-hmm. use it for your cockroaches in your kitchen, and the next minute mm-hmm. half your family's dead. How are they even getting hold of of, the, of this product in tablet form?
3: That is the mystery for, for us because um, the smallest container size is about a ninety gram little bottle, which is sealed off with a special cap so that it doesn't produce any fumes, and that is supposed to be sold only by people that are licensed in terms of Act Number no. Fifteen of nineteen seventy three to sell dangerous goods first of all and secondly um, that particular person would have to con- uh, complete the poison register of any client that comes in to buy the particular pesticide and thirdly then the person selling it must make sure that the person that buys it has a legitimate reason to use it and it's going to be used according to the label instructions which is only sure. for grain fumigation mm. and only then for rats and mice in in uh, like a farming area it is not supposed to be sold to anybody for any other purpose and we are Totally mystified on how people get hold of it. So, what mm-hmm. I believe happens is currently is that someone who is a uh either a licensed or unlicensed vendor to sell the stuff. He's selling it unlawfully to other people in spider shops. We see it in the Eastern Cape, we see it in the Western Cape, we see it in the Garteng. and I've also heard now from Durban, from many pest control boards, who to told, told me that it's been sold over the counter by many people without the proper authorization, without keeping the point registered. That's sure. why CropLife started intervening and say, now this rubbish must stop, we must put controls in to make sure we control the chemical properly because we cannot endure any more human deaths because of it.
1: What, so what sort of controls do you have in mind that are now urgently on the table?
3: Okay, what we've done, I've contacted all seven registration holders in the country and they all made a commitment that they will instruct anybody that, that they are supplying the chemical to to make sure that they submit back to the supplier a document that um, verifies that they are certified and licensed according to Act Number 15 to be able to sell the pesticide. Secondly, they must also provide proof that they have a poison register and that they, con- that they complete the poison register for every sale they make of the aluminium phosphate. Thirdly, if they sell it to a pest control operator, they must verify that the pest control operator is, first of all, registered as a pest control operator with Act Number Thirty Six, Nineteen Forty Seven, And then, secondly, that the pest control operator is specifically registered to do fumigation because the fumigation is a special type of pest control operator uh, qualifications you get. It's not for the normal people that do cockroach control and flea control and flight yep. control okay. in around residences. So those are some of the controls we put in place. And then also to, to remove the vendors from the market and sell it into a normal marketplace. In other words, you won't be able to get it anymore from a normal nursery. It will only be certain people that will be able to sell that we cl- close the gaps and make sure we take back the control of the sale of any aluminium phosphide.
1: Well, and as this case so so tragically proves is needed because here you had an operator who had registered a company but he hadn't registered with, with um, the Department of Agriculture so he didn't yep. have his P yep. registration and he managed to get hold of the product without anybody at point of sale saying to him... Where's your registration? Has, where, no, but yes, and how are you going to... Where's your registration and do you, uh, do you understand that this is for use in for granaries, etc., not to throw in a flat... Um, Thank you. But
3: to what, for also, yeah, what, what, what we should also add on there is the new regulation for hazardous chemical agents, which which talks about the global harmonised system for labelling of chemicals, places an onus on the person who sells that chemical to inform the client of what the the hazards of that particular chemical is. it's not only Act Thirty Six and Act Number Fifteen; it's also the new hazardous chemicals. Um, uh, regulation that that compel the client. And what what I find very disturbing is the fact that a totally unlicensed operator like this company, Durbanal, could get their hands on something like mm-hmm. aluminum phosphate without having to fall in any form or having to fall in the poison register or having been informed by the people and that stuff that this is potentially lethal if you apply it off-label because it was a total off-label application of the chemical. It was un- totally unlawful.
1: What did, can, can I just ask you to clarify what you mean by off-label in the context off-label of this incident?
3: If you if you apply any pesticide for any other purpose or any other manner than what the I label is okay. tell you, okay. remember, right. because that we are sense. compelled by the act, anybody, whether it's you or myself or a pet control operator or a farmer, must use a pesticide according to what the label instructions tell us. It's not an advice on the label. It's instruction by law that they shalt shall use this pesticide according to what the label instructs you to do in terms of the dose, the application type, the application volume, etc., cetera, etc., cetera.
0: Got you. Dr. Gerard Verdun. thank you so much for your input today. Stewardship Manager at CropLife South Africa and the Director of the Griffin Poison Information Centre. Uh, really appreciate that absolutely crystal clear information yes. on what's meant to happen, Wendy, and clearly didn't happen in I've this case. I've been
1: sitting with goosebumps since yeah. this entire show. What it's, it's just, just such a massive... Boring, boring. Utterly avoidable the
0: tragedy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, d- there's another aspect we want to talk about here in terms of how it is being sold. Mm. Uh, Wendy, you did a little bit of, uh, of research onto this and there was another issue you wanted to flag.
1: Yeah, so with the news that these aluminium phosphide products are available in hardware stores. Not every hardware store, but some. I did a little bit of desktop research, and obviously, I could only then get to the, the, the large ones, not the little ones yeah. that um, that all over the place. Um, couldn't find it in builders. But um, I did find on um, I didn't do a search under under specific hardware companies, but for the product itself, and I found a product called Cooper's Quick Foss Tablets, 90 grams. As Dr. Vodouin said, that's that's um, common um, smallest amount advertised on Bright's Hardware's um, website. The package insert states that only well-intended, instructed rather personnel should use the product. Only those familiar with the potential hazard of fumigation and all the necessary precautions. Um, Gosh,
0: now that's, I mean, that's a reputable chain, Wendy, uh, with a very good... uh, Reputation it, that many people would shop at, and they've got it available on their website. Should it be available on their website no, for anybody shouldn't. who wants to, to
1: buy it? According to Dr. Faduin, um you can't be selling these products on the website because obviously, how are you going to go all through all those protocols of of the poison register, of the um, training, uh, of telling people this is what the intended use, and etc.? Are you aware
0: of the potential consequences? Uh, to, of have, the to try
1: and I'm avoid thinking. what we saw in, Dur- in Durban last week. Um, just before I get to their response, um, according to the manufacturer, QuickFoss. Is a fumigant for the control of store product insect pests, in in stored maize, wheat, sorghum, ground nuts, dried beans, sunflower seed, etc., and and storage premises, in, um, including rodents such as rats, mice, gerbils, and moles. Obviously, the direct cut and paste there is a little. Um, Garbled, but yep. basically, what it, there's nothing there about treating bor- borer in, in domestic homes, homes. you it's, will it's notice. Very clearly yes. for agricultural
0: purposes in very specific settings. Yeah.
1: So I asked Bryce whether, in light of the Durban incident, and I have to say when I sent this email off, I wasn't aware that it was actually illegal to sell this product online. Uh, yeah. I said, um, are there, in light of what happened in Durban, would the company reconsider, like I said, stocking the product? Um And uh, the response from Orlando Lewis, who is CEO of Bright's, um, is I've asked the marketing department to remove this item from our online store and to limit the purchases of it to only in-store when completed hazardous substance registers also known as poison registers yeah. will be completed in person the supplier will be sending me the permission to sell the product certificate um, the supplier being Cooper's environmental SC which is located in Brackenville and they forwarded me the training register two months ago the staff certain staff in in, in the many stores uh, were trained on the product um, he says the um, yeah, that's, okay. so that's
0: so that's at least yeah. I've but I mean, as as you said, awareness raising that it shouldn't have week. been there in the first no. place. I mean, I saw it yesterday yeah. online. So so they've done the right thing in responding immediately to say you're right. It yeah. shouldn't be there. We're taking it off the online store. They've clearly done their homework beforehand about making sure that the the, the supplier of the product is properly registered and has been able to to provide the and, the proof thereof.
1: And we do know it, it would yeah. seem that when sold in store, there are all these checks. It just it must have been some kind of oversight. I that think it had, that, that it it was sold. Off. online online shop
0: okay and and, as you say i mean this was a quick dipstick and i could have bought it how many other suppliers have also got it available yeah um when it shouldn't be um so i mean bottom line i'm going back to that comment that moses made that this is not a product that should be used diy Ever, 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 ever. ever. Okay, so Wendy, which then brings us to the question of, of as consumers, what do we need to do? We need to do our homework when it comes to engaging companies to provide this kind of service in our homes. And really, we could take it beyond the use of hazardous materials. It's... Anybody that yeah. you're inviting into your home, you should be doing proper vetting. Plumbers,
1: on. they need to be registered. They need, you know, you can imagine, I mean, a, a, an incorrectly installed geezer, and I've had cases of this, can blow, explode through your ceiling. Yeah. You know, we, we can't just have blind trust. It takes a bit of time and energy to do these checks, but... You know what, look what's at stake here. Graphic example. So I thought, well, an example to maybe mention here in the last minutes of our show is um, around solar. And goodness me, how many people must be researching that right now and sort of seeing what the options are and what it's going to cost and whether they can afford it. Um, So, uh, yeah, a a short while ago, um, Dell Direct and SolarCraft, I might have mentioned it at the time. Um, a solar supplier which has been in the industry for 28 years advised consumers to ask energy suppliers and and, uh, providers um, certain very key questions before having them come to their home and do installations such as how long have you been in business how many successful installations and what have you done and what sales support will you offer in five years, names and contact details of previous clients and he has the, 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 the question around um, proficiency in registrations. Do your installations adhere to SANS and NURSA requirements? So that would be the solar installation of let's see your register and your and your your, your safety file kind of thing. Um, are the, your installations done by qualified and registered electricians? And does an electrical engineer check the quality of components and installations? And finally, do you issue a certificate of compliance after the installation? There are going to be many operators out there now capitalizing on this solar boon brought upon, by ongoing stage four, four and six load shedding. Yeah, uh, load shedding, and um, and many of them will be offering seemingly cut price cut cut price um, packages, and really <laughs> ask those questions. Yeah, ask about um, you know do they do the inst- are they are the installations compliant with SANS and nurse requirements? Do they issues that affect our compliance? Are the you know? Don't take anything at face value. We can't assume anything, as Dr. Fadun so graphically explained to us. Yeah. Um there's there's just there's a lot of cowboys out there doing their thing, knowing that regulation is is, is um very sparse.
0: At and that's a follow-up on regulation and, and Enforcement. policing and regulations are, are, are yeah. yeah. I just want to address a WhatsApp that's come through from somebody saying one can purchase pesticides freely at AgriMark with no questions asked. Just to be very clear, it's not all pesticides that have this level of control over them, Wendy. Yes. We're talking and have been for the most of today about a very specific uh, kind of pesticide called aluminium phosphide, depending obviously Which- on... The intended use and the nature of the of the products. It has a level fumigation. Of
1: it it becomes a fumigant. It creates yeah. this toxic gas. So yeah. clearly, even just the, you know, you 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 can understand the level of, on paper anyway, regulation that there needs to be around such a product.
0: We've got a voice note that's come through in response to this conversation. We're going to have time, I think, to play that before we need to wrap up the show. Uh, but again, so, yeah, very specifically, just be, be be mindful of the discrepancy. There are different levels of regulation yes, that, will ki- that. that will kick in yes. depending on the nature this of is, the product and just how potentially toxic it is, one assumes. Moses, baby. in
1: the industry, they colloquially call it a red label product. This okay,
0: thank you for that. Can we take that voice note, Obi? Hi, Papa. Um anyone that is handling any form of pesticide should have a P number um, and any company should be registered with the Department of Agriculture Um, and another good place to uh, phone about a company um, is a a group called SACA Um, a lot of the big Legit pest control companies are registered with them um, and part of SATCA. So if you see a Sapka logo on anyone's vehicle, all you have to do is just give them a call um, and you can find out from them whether this company is legit um, and you can get a lot of good valuable information from SATCA. Thank you, yes. We did mention, Wendy, you said right up front that P number is the very first thing to ask for if you are contracting somebody. Which shows Um, the registration with the Department of Agriculture, yes. Okay, thank you very much for for that. Okay. Um, I think we have to wrap it there, Wendy. The time has flown away from us today once again. Um, Thank you very much. I mean, as you said at the start, an absolutely spine chilling case study today but, but one I think that is so important in terms of how it demonstrates the potential ramifications of c- taking shortcuts in this field yep. um, so much
1: can go yeah. wrong and we have to, that's why we have to do our checks
0: and your thoughts very much at this point lying with the families Absolutely. of Nicholas and Matri Mulva who are the victims in this case, again to be fair, uh, the post-mortem results still pending, we have not yet had an emphatic confirmation that their link- li- deaths were directly linked but, linked but certainly from what we have uh, heard today and from Moses who's in inspected the site at which it happened uh the one thing i think we can say absolutely with certainty is wendy that not all of the boxes were ticked and teased and eyes crossed that were meant to be absolutely thank you very much wendy nola will be back with us again next week wednesday just a reminder that if you want to raise a case with her you do so by sending an email to consumer at nola.co.za, spelled K N O W L E R. Please remember to put Cape Talk in the subject line and also just remember to put in a word or two on the nature of the problem that you're raising. So, uh, Marilise, we will put a. Uh, um, Item left in Uber uh, onto your query, which is going to Wendy. Thank you for your Facebook message. We will do our best to get you some uh, some feedback on that one. So Cape Talk in the subject line, a word or two about the nature of the problem. And then once again, I know I sound like a stuck record saying this over and over. Please put everything into one single email. It is absolutely impossible for Wendy or myself to trace a trail of eight or nine different emails with different attachments and, and keep keep them all uh, grouped together. It just is, given the nature of Wendy's work and the volume of, uh, of queries coming in each week, it's essential that you put everything in one email. And before you hit send, think about what would Wendy need to know in order to follow this up? If it is a cell phone query, she will need to know your cell phone number. If it is a TV license query, she will need to know your license number. Wendy...
1: It's just, you just uh, reminded it's very me. Very often. No, exactly. Yeah. What happens is people, I think they want to first find out if it's the right address or if I can help them. So they'll send a very patchy thing and say, please help. I mean, the fact that I've actually opened the email in this deluge and seen it is... is it's that's, a miracle number one. <laughs> miracle. So now if I have to write back a lot of time, you know, over oh, many right, complaints yeah. and ask for the all the detail, but the time when you write back, there's a good chance that I will miss that email. So even, you know just put it all in that one email it's worth documenting your case anyway because if I can't take it up you could take it up with another body such as the consumer goods and services ombuds yeah. so so it's not a waste to document what's going on just put everything in that if that one email And, you know, if I hit on it, I can deal with it straight away without having to take the time to write back and ask ask you for all the details and then take the chance that I won't see the return email.
0: Thanks for that, Wendy. We really, really appreciate how many of the cases you do get to amid that deluge. Wendy's back with us next week, Wednesday.